0: I've, um, you know, sometimes someone asked me today how I come up with my speeches for you guys, and they're really not speeches, um, I mean, I think it's kind of fun to think of it like that. I remember in high school when I had to give my first public speech, right, Mm -hmm. and I think I did it on something super dumb, like how to make banana bread, um, but man, I was so excited about giving my first speech, and I stood up in front of everyone, I turned like pale white, and I was like get ripe bananas and anyway I did alright and I didn't pass out but I, I remember being scared of that and so here's the thing I never want you to see me I don't even want you to hear my voice my prayer every time I get to share and to give a speech is that whoever's listening would hear the voice of God and would see Jesus for who he is Because really, it's all about Him. See, the reality is I'm no different than any of you. I have my own struggles. I enjoy sin. I don't always want to do the right thing. Matter of fact, rarely do I want to do the right thing. Let's just cut to the chase. And it's not like I get to stand up here and share with you guys because I've got this thing figured out. I don't. I struggle to believe that God is good and that he's for me. I struggle to believe that God is big enough to save the day and here's my prayers. So it really has nothing to do with me and everything to do with God. And so this is what I do to prepare for my speeches. Are you ready? I pray and I say, Hey God, you know, we, we're going to gather tonight. We're going to go swimming. We're going to do worship. And then I'm going to have an opportunity to share, what would you like? And so I've been praying today and asking God. Because here's the reality about who God is. He searches hearts. He can see right through the masks, right through the fronts that we put up, right? How many of you have ever had a friend, they're like, hey, how are you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm fine. But really, like, on the inside, you're totally not okay, right? Right? Like you're freaking out about something, or you're hurt, or you're mad, or you're offended, or whatever it is. We do that to each other. But you know what? You can do that all day long with God, but you can't get it past him because he knows you and he sees you. And he knows your hearts, and it would be impossible for me to get up here and be like, Hmm, what do these students need to hear? Um, Gee, it looks like they're struggling with selfishness because they had a lot of dinner on the first round. You know, like, I don't know. All I know is we're in this thing together, and that I need you guys, and you need me. And and I'm no different than you. Well, just a lot older. (laughs) And so here's what I believe God wanted to share with us tonight. I'm actually going to read you guys some quotes. Well, not some quotes, but some notes about um, the Olympic torch. How many of you like the Olympics? Okay, let me see your hands if you like Summer Olympics above Winter Olympics. Okay, how many of you like Winter Olympics above summer? Fantastic. We got one winter bird here. The rest of us like Summer Olympics. Um, I was thinking tonight about how this week has been incredible. God has done amazing things. You've survived. You've been stretched. You've had your disagreements and your spats. You've been reminded more than one time to not throw your cup away or to pick up your sock or your shoe. You've been told more than ten times, I'm sure, lights out or time to wake up, we've got to go. (laughs) And it's been incredible. But not only has all of that happened, God has done a work in your heart. And you will not go home the same. But here's the anxiety that every single one of you are feeling tonight. You ready? I'm about to read your mail. Some of you are panicking a little bit because this week has been so incredible. And you've grown and you've loved the worship and the nightly devotions and you've served. And and man, you rocked the block party. But you know that tomorrow you're going to go home and it's going to be difficult. Because you're not going to have 13 roommates saying goodnight right before lights go out. And and some of you are going to go home to families that may not believe in Jesus. And you're going to go home to friends that are going to tempt you. And so there's a little bit of disappointment. There's a little bit of discouragement that settles in on the last night of a camp or on the last night of a mission trip. Trust me, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Because it feels impossible to take what you've gotten here and it feels impossible to take it home and walk it out. And that is a lie straight from the pits of hell. That's what the enemy would want you and I to believe. But the reality is that scripture says you have everything you need to live a life that's pleasing to God. And you don't even need a Mr. Owens to make that happen. As awesome as he is. But the question that remains tonight is how is this thing going to play out? What are you going to do tomorrow when you go home and you're in familiar territory and Tammy's not there um, encouraging you? What are you going to do when you go home this weekend and you don't get to see each other and all of your your friends who don't know Jesus and they don't love Jesus are tempting you? What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Because it is 100% your responsibility how this thing plays out. It's entirely up to you. And as incredible as this week has been, it doesn't have to end here. I was reading about the Olympic torch. And it says this. Super interesting. Let me wait for it to pull up. Dramatic pause. Yeah. It says this, this started hundreds of years ago, and uh, the flame is a symbol of positive values that the modern Olympics have taken from the games of ancient Greece. And, and the symbolism behind the Olympics is friendliness and peace. And you know what, that's really the kingdom of God, that's what it's supposed to be about, right? Jesus said, people will know that you're my disciples by the way you love each other, not stab each other in the back. And here's what it says about the flame, the the Olympic torch. A new torch is designed for every Olympics. Several torches are made because each torchbearer is given his or her own torch. It is the flame that is passed from runner to runner, not the torch. And the sun is actually what lights the torch initially. The sun, as in S-U-N. But you know who lights the fire inside of your heart? The sun, S-O-N, of God. They use a special mirror and they somehow hold it in front of the sun and then it gets hot or some sort of cool science happens that I don't know anything about and it lights the torch and then that flame is passed from one torch to another. And different representatives of different nations run with their torch and they carry their flame. It says this, Um, if the torch has to be transported on an airplane, right? You know how you get on an airplane, they're like, no smoking. Well, like, duh, who's going to smoke up here, right? But like, you can't have fire on a plane, right? So I'm like, this is crazy. They actually transport the Olympic torch on an airplane. This is what it says. If it has to be transported on an airplane, it is placed in a special security lamp that operates like a miner's lamp. The flame is kept in a special cauldron at night to ensure that it stays lit. The Olympic torch is protected by strong security along the relay route due to the importance of keeping the flame lit. And then the final leg of the torch relay, it goes around the stadium. But as I was reading that earlier, as you guys were racing in the pool and playing horseshoes, this is what it made me think of. If protecting the Olympic torch is that important, high security, locked in a secret cauldron at night to make sure the flame stays lit, how much more should you and I protect the flame that God has lit in our hearts? It is not circumstantial. If Jesus has done a work in your heart, If you have gotten saved, if you have worshipped him, if he has shown you something from his word, he has lit a fire in your heart and it does not have to go out when you go home. As a matter of fact, it shouldn't go out when you go home. So here's the question for us tonight. How will you and I make this flame lit? Because here's the thing about the fire of God is it cleanses us and it purifies us. And you guys are going home to a dark place. You have friends that don't know who Jesus is. You have family who don't know who Jesus is. And if you say hip hip hooray. That was a cool mission trip to St. Angelo. But man we're back to the grind. It's no big deal if I slip up and cuss. It's no big deal if I do this thing. No it is a big deal. Because you have responsibility. If that flame goes out. So what will you do to protect that flame. What will you do to carry that thing home that God has shown you this week? It doesn't have to be wasted. This doesn't just have to be another experience or another trip that you chalk up as cool. Yeah, Mr. Owens, next summer we should do that again. Everything about this week, the, the stretching and the difficulty and the uncomfortableness and the awesomeness of it, everything that you've experienced this week should be like wind in your sails and propel you. And you should go home and there should be a revival that starts in Boyd, Texas. Not because of Mr. Owens, but because of each one of you. Every single hour, 152 people die in the world. And they will either spend forever and ever an eternity with God, or they will spend forever and ever an eternity in hell, forever separated from Jesus Christ himself. What will you do with what God has given you? God is commissioning you. He's saying, hey, friend of mine, this reckless love you keep singing about, I need you to go back to Boyd and tell your friends and tell your family because they don't know me. That thing that God has shown you, you need to go back and, and you need to break bread and you need to feed the hungry friends around you. Jesus never gives you something just for you. It's always for you first and for the ones around you. What will you do with what you've been given? Do you care about the fire that is in your heart? How will you protect it? And here's the other thing about fire. We learned this the other night, grilling burgers in the rain at the park. You got to keep that thing going. You cannot let anything put that out. Are you going to go home tomorrow and let a fight between your parents cause you to believe in a God who doesn't exist? You're going to go home and and you're going to face something and, and your response is either going to be, God, I'm going to trust you and surrender you in the middle of this, or you're going to say, God, yep, you were a flake, should have known better. You are responsible for fanning the flame in your heart. It is your responsibility to get into the word of God every single day. It is your responsibility to encourage each other and to be a family, to speak life into each other. Mr. Owens is awesome, no doubt, but you know what? Jesus is your leader, and he wants to raise up some of you to be leaders. There ought to be 75 kids at that bonfire on Saturday night. And if it does not bother you to the point where you can't sleep, that there are thousands of people dying every day who never knew Jesus Christ, and they're going to burn forever and eternity in hell, then I don't know that a flame has been lit in your heart. All throughout scripture, Jesus would heal the lepers. The lepers had these oozing sores all over them. And it was so contagious and so shameful that they actually had to stay way out past the city gates. And anytime anyone from the town would walk by with an eyesight of the lepers, the lepers would have to yell out, unclean, unclean. We I mean, talk about a confidence booster, right? Can you imagine if we had to do that as sinners? Like I see that, like I'm just chilling in the pool, and then you guys show up. Sinner! Sinner! (laughs) Like, talk about the ultimate mark of shame. But Jesus had the audacity to go and to not only hang out with them, but to touch them. You guys know the cheese touch from Diary of a Wimpy Kid? Far worse. Jesus would touch the lepers, and they would be made whole and healed instantly. And you know what the lepers did? They'd go back to town. Man. You've got to know this, Jesus. You've got to see what he did. The good things that Jesus does for you is never just for you. It's for the ones around you. What will you do with the fire that God has given you this week? I want to read this in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9, and then I'm going to close. This is all about identity. Some of you have a really hard time because you're confused as to who you are. Middle school is a difficult age. you got all kinds of pressure. All kinds of cats telling you to look this way, look that. As soon as you cut your hair, oh, short hair is an end. Now it's long hair, you know. And you just can't keep up with the Joneses. But your identity, your true identity, will always come from the word of God and come straight from God himself. Hello, he made you. You know? It's not like he's some nerdy computer program off in a distant land unaware of who you are. Like, he made you. Like his breath is in your lungs. Your identity will always come from God. This is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Translation, that's everything I just said. You are to go home and tell everyone what God has done in your life this week. And you tell them and you tell them until they beg you to shut up and then you keep telling them. That's how the fire grows. That's how the fire is contagious. Because then they're going to be like, "Uh, hey, that bonfire thing, is it cool if I go with you? Proclaim the excellencies of him, Jesus, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people... But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. You know where the fire of God resides? In your soul. So he takes all this time and he says, man... You're a royal priesthood. You are God's beloved. You are chosen. You are set apart. I called you out of darkness into my wonderful light, and I choose you. I want you on my team. I handpick you to go and tell everyone what I've done for you. And then he finishes by saying this. You're just passing through this land. This is not your home. Your life on earth is not to be spent building kingdoms on earth. But it's meant to be spent building the kingdom of God so that we can have one heck of a non-stop party in heaven. And he says, I've chosen you to do all of these things. And after you've done all of that, after you remember that this is not your home and you're just passing through, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Avoid Avoid sin point blank that sermon will never stop being preached you need to learn to fan the flame in your heart you need to share that with the ones around you and you have to wage war against sin the fleshly things you have to or it will kill you and destroy you and this will all be for waste You know how when you're a kid, someone asks the question, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? So when they asked me that as a kid, I wanted to be three different things. I wanted to be a missionary, I wanted to be a police officer, and I wanted to be a primatologist, which is someone who studies primates. I was infatuated with monkeys as a kid. And man, I was going to grow up and study monkeys and learn all about them. You know what no one ever says when they're a kid? Everyone's been asked that question. No one ever says, oh, I think I'll grow up and be an alcoholic. I think I'll grow up and be addicted to drugs. I I think I'll grow up and be a pedophile. Nobody says that. So how does it happen? Because they didn't wage war against the sin of their soul. Fan the flame first. Fight the sin second. I'm going to close with this. How many of you tonight would say you love Jesus? Like for real, like you love Jesus. You know what Jesus says? You ready for the gut puncher? I'm going to pray after this because you won't like me. Jesus says if you love me like you say you do, you'll do what I've asked you to do. It's that simple. Your obedience, your desire to do the right thing has to come out of a place of love for Jesus. It's not about rules or religion. If you love Jesus, you'll stop cussing. Point blank. That simple. So here's what I do when I'm tempted to sin, which happens a lot. I will pause and I will say, Tara, time out. In this moment, are you loving yourself or are you loving Jesus? And that kind of settles it. How will you protect the flame, the fire of God in your heart when you go home? How will you tell of what God has done this week? And how will you wage war against the sin that constantly distracts you? Those are the questions you need to consider. God, thank you for tonight. And and God, it's incredible that they go to so much trouble to protect the Olympic flame. God, that they have high-level security guards that always stay with the flame. That it's locked in a secret cauldron at night just to make sure the flame stays lit. And God, that's just earthly fire that has years of history. God, I believe that you have put your fire in the hearts of these students this week. God, they've been changed. They've encountered you through worship. And you've humbled them through servanthood, God. And you've stretched them and you've grown them. And God, there's this anxiety of now what? Now what? That tomorrow we go home. And home is sometimes a hard thing. God, you give us the answer in your word. You tell us to fan the flame of God in our hearts. God, I pray that you would give these students wisdom to know how to do that, God. That you would give them an unquenchable hunger for your word, God. That they would read their Bibles, God, even when they don't understand. That they wouldn't be able to put it down, God. That they would be addicted to their Bible more than they are their cell phones, and their social media, and their video games. God, I pray that they would worship in a secret place, God. That they would have a lifestyle of worship, God. that that they wouldn't be able to stop telling you how incredible you are and, and how much they love you. God, that you would raise them up to worship in spirit and in truth. God, I pray that you would give them courage to go home and to tell everyone what you've done and who you are. God, let no one die unsaved on our hands. Give us boldness and courage, God. God, remind us that this earth is not our home. We're just passing through. And Father, would you give us the grace and the wisdom and the tenacity to wage war against the sin of our souls, the sin that so easily entangles and destroys us. God, would you bless these students with purity, purity of heart, purity of mind. God, I pray that they would be quick to obey, not because they're scared to disobey, and not because it's a rule to follow, or a religion to take part in, but God, simply because they love you. And Jesus, you said if we love you, we'll do what you've asked us to do. Father, would you grow the love, grow the fire of God in our hearts tonight. Fan the flame. Ignite us with your love and your spirit, God. God, I'm asking with faith that you would start a revival in Boyd, Texas. God, that families would come to know you. God, that Boyd Middle School would be incredibly different this year. God, that you would break the chains of addiction in that place, God. That you would shut down the drug houses, God, and and the alcoholics, that it would be disgusting to them, God. And Lord, that you would use this group, these students, to do that. That you would use them to rewrite the history books for your kingdom, God. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for choosing us to be on your team. That you call us your chosen ones, a royal priesthood, or a set-apart nation. You call us friends. God, I pray that you would embed that truth deeply in our hearts. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here's how we're going to close out tonight.